Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Well, this morning, as Brett mentioned, continuing the series Built to Last. This is uh, session three. We're going to go over three words today. And that, you know, my goal in this process is to help each one of us build a solid foundation in our lives so that we can be strong and we can endure and that we become built to last. Because the Bible says, as the day of Christ's return draws closer, there will be even people that will walk away from the truth. So we're going to make sure that we are those who stay strong in the truth and strong in the word and that there's things in our lives and so many of them are, they happen over time and maybe no fault of our own in a lot of things, but those things need to come down. Those walls need to come down and then God wants to build new walls, but he may, we have to make sure there's a solid foundation for the building of those walls in our life. And so that's really important. And so this morning, we're going to go through three of them. This morning, before we jump into that, I just want to pray, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here today, that we could actually come and worship you, that we have the privilege here in this country. We have the freedom to do that. And so we do thank you for that. And I pray today as we go through scriptures and talk about these things today that are a part of our lives, Lord, that you would touch whatever area in our lives that you want to touch. We're putting it in your hands, Holy Spirit, to do your work. I'm just a vessel that you're using to communicate, but God, you do the work. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen, amen. So the first word I want to talk about, which is a word that for all of us we probably can relate to. The word is wounding. Wounding. Anybody ever been wounded? And I'm not talking about a physical wound at this point, although that happens. But maybe somebody said something that hurt you in your lifetime. You've been wounded, right? So maybe four of you. I get a little bit more. The rest of you just like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Well, I've been wounded. So just to let you know that. And I believe that all of us have. And it really is a a mental or an emotional blow that comes into our life. And it causes stuff. So there's this wall of woundedness that can reinforce itself over time because we revisit it a lot in our minds. And so I believe that God has a process for us to go through so that that woundedness becomes less and less for us over time. Now, usually... More than likely, that woundedness comes from somebody who's close to us, a friend or a family member, somebody close. More than likely, somebody who we don't have a clue who they are might say something, but it typically won't wound us because we don't really care what they, what they say because we don't know them, there's no connection, there's nothing personal there. But wounding goes deep, and we're reminded of that wound just by looking at the scars that we have from it, and it's a reminder for us. But God's desire is that we are made whole and healed from those wounds. That's his desire. So that we can be effective in making a difference in the lives of others around us. Because out of our woundedness, we can be a healer or help others through a process. Because we're all in a different place in our life. We all know that if we've been wounded or hurt emotionally, that those wounds take a lot longer to heal than a wound that 
a physical wound you might get. You might hurt yourself, but in a matter of a few days, weeks, or sometimes months, that's healed up in your back and you just sort of, you're back in the game, so to speak. But the emotional wounds that we have, those things can, they can stay there for a long, long time. And it's hard. This morning I want to share with you the story of my own being a little vulnerable this morning in this. Over 20 years ago, I just am recalling when I started to think through this in my own life, this came to me, and I haven't thought about this in a long time. But in a job that I was in, I was in a supervisory position, and uh, we were doing a total changeover in our computer system and our platform for operating the, the company. And it was one of my responsibilities was go to another state for a week and learn all about this new system and how to come back and then implement it with those that worked for me in this company and be able to train them and teach them. And then try to get this system functioning and operating for this company to, to operate effectively. Some of you have been through those things, and they're very challenging. And so I put everything into this. And the effort that it took on a lot of people to make this happen was an immense amount of effort. And so I had spent uh, literally probably 100 extra hours that weren't paid, because I was in a salary position, of just putting extra time into this to make sure that it was going to function well in the area that I was responsible for. Well, so one day I get a, a request to go have lunch with somebody who was higher up than me. <laughs> so I go to lunch, and lo and behold, as we're eating, and I took like, I remember I was like two bites into my sandwich, and all of a sudden I get hit with this, Steve, I don't know how to tell you this, but you did a horrible job in this transition. Very disappointed. And, of course, my appetite at that point was gone. I put my sandwich down. It was over. Word of the wise, <laughs> don't take somebody to lunch when you have to <laughs> blow their doors off with something negative. Side note. And I'm just like, unbelievable. I'm like, my goodness, I have put so much into this. And I know not everything was perfect, but that was true for everything, every place in the company about this. And uh, I was just so taken back, and I was so wounded. I never even told my wife about this. In fact, have we ever had this conversation? No. And I apologize for that. I should have let her in, but I was so hurt. I was so, I just, I didn't know what to do. And it bothered me for so long. Eventually, I had a conversation with the Lord. And he helped me through that process, and I was able to get healed from that. But it's something that is there that, as a reminder to say, yeah, we get wounded, but how do we respond to it? Yeah. And early on, I was having a hard time. Eventually, the Lord was able to help me through scripture, through prayer, through those things to help me through that to where I wasn't holding an offense or bitterness and those kinds of things. And I was able to you know, move past that. And I, I think about that, and I'm sure we all have our story. But the important thing is this is, in this whole thing is, how do we, because if we look at a chart, the moment you get wounded, if you're like right here, boom, this is where you go emotionally. And it takes time, and it takes time. And if you don't handle that right, and you think that things can't get worse, they can in a sense, because it can take you to a really bad place. 
And so important when those things happen to us that we go to the word, we go to God, we go to the Holy Spirit, and we say, help, help, help. Talk to people. I didn't do that. I should have, but now I'm more mature in that area. Let's look at Job. Here's a guy that was a little wounded. Job 9, starting in verse 14. So who am I that I should try to answer God or even reason with him? Even if I were right, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him and he responded, I'm not sure he would listen to me. For he attacks me with a storm and repeatedly wounds me without cause. And I've heard this from people, that God has hurt them or done something or he, you know, these kinds of things. So Job's not the only one. He will not let me catch my breath, but fills me instead with bitter sorrows. If it's a question of strength, he's the strong one. If it's a matter of justice, who dares summon him to court? Though I am innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. Though I am blameless, it would prove me wicked. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. Oh, but some of us understand how he could get there, especially knowing his story. And some of us have our own stories. But God is so faithful to come in those times when we allow him to. Let's look at Psalm 109, starting in verse 1. O God, who I praise, don't stand silent and aloof. While the wicked slander me and tell lies about me, they're wounding me, they surround me with hateful words and fight against me for no reason. I love them, but they try to destroy me with accusations, even as I am praying for them. We've been there. <laughs> we have good intentions. We're trying to do this, and then boom, boom, boom. It's like, what in the world is happening? This keeps coming at me. Psalm 147, starting in verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted, and bandages their wounds. We're talking about God. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. We sang that this morning. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. See, these are the things we have to go to because we read those previous ones, and those are pretty negative, those verses, but we've got to go somewhere. We've got to be able to find, in the midst of all of that, we've got to find verses like this. God, you heal the brokenhearted. You bandage the wounds. You care. Proverbs 18, 14 says this, the human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear a crushed spirit? We can endure a lot of physical stuff, but man, there's something about emotional pain that is hard to endure. So that puts us in this place where God wants to bring us to that place of freedom to declare wholeness. How do we get there? To be mentally or emotionally sound, having all its proper parts or components. It's a tough place to get to. But I know God has designed us and called us to walk in wholeness. His word says that. Feel that, that we're free from the wounds of the past. Forgiveness is one of those things that we have to hit. And forgiveness is a choice. We have to choose to forgive. We get wounded and we get bitter and we get upset at a particular person or, or whatever the situation. And it's hard to get past that. But we have to choose to forgive. It does not mean that we forget and no longer have the pain of that. That probably will linger for a while. But there's a release that happens in our spirit when we forgive. Because reality is, I think our thoughts are, well, if I can just hold on to that, 
and not forgive that person that I'm paying them back in some way. Or they don't deserve to be forgiven. Probably true. We didn't deserve to be forgiven ever. But Christ saw to it that he was going to work his way right through that and come to the cross and forgive us. Those who Jesus set free are free indeed. And so we're free from that. I want to show you a, a short video clip this morning. And some of you maybe have followed this story. But I'll just give you a backstory on it. So there was a, a female police officer uh, down, I believe, in California who shot and killed a man in his apartment. And I think her story was that she thought it was her apartment or where she lived. Uh, I think it turned out to not be accurate. Whatever it was, I don't know all, all the details of it. I just know that, so this guy dies, and so she just recently had her trial, and they found her guilty of this, and I think she was sentenced to 10 years in jail for this. So I picked this clip. It's, there's a lot of this story. You can go on and look at it. There's a lot longer clips about it. But I want you to see from a perspective of the brother of the victim, one who definitely was wounded in this process emotionally and everything. But what, how he handled this was just beyond amazing to me. But uh, Devin, if you go ahead and uh, put that clip up there. Let's take a look at this. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's, what, that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. Yeah, that's just a little bit impacting. Do you think that that, what just happened there, went a long ways to bring some healing? Man, I'm telling you, that had to be really hard for him. But if you watch more of the clip and you go on there, he really talks about really wanting her to have a relationship with Christ and so forth. And that was such part of his heart and I think his family. But to see that, he obviously healing for him, but for her too, for sure. And that probably just, it changes so many things. When we allow Christ to come into our situation, I bet everything in him, and he was kind of struggling with that, I, I don't want to do this, I, I don't, but I know Christ would want me to do this, and this is what will bring healing and wholeness. So we see this. Very impacting. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Man, so often when we're wounded, we feel distant from God. But knowing that he is right there, we just have to turn to him. So often we want to turn to other things or to pull back away from, but he's there. He's close to the brokenhearted. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. There's a perfect peace that comes. It's a peace we don't understand. The world doesn't understand it. 
but Christ is able to bring that to us. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's wounding. That's woundedness, and we see that. And I just wanted to, again, bring us to that place. And I know for some of us today, it's like revisiting something. But I believe that's part of the healing that happens for us. Because when we kind of revisit that, it's like, okay, Lord, I know that you can help me. I know I need to turn to you. I know you're close to the broken heart. I know you care and you understand. Here I am, Lord. The next one is criticism. <laughs> the act of criticism is usually unfavorable. <laughs> it doesn't really bring good things. Criticizing somebody for how they've done something or what they've done is pretty easy to do. <laughs> We're all guilty of that. We all are guilty of criticism. You know, the armchair quarterback, which I am from time to time when Seahawks are playing, guess what? They never get involved in the real game. They're just sitting back and being critical. And I've found myself questioning the coach at a particular play he may call. I don't know even a tiny bit of what he knows. <laughs> but we are good at that. A critical spirit always looks for what's wrong with something and seldom tastes the sweetness of victory. We're always looking for what's wrong, but we don't taste the sweetness of victory because we don't allow ourselves to get there. We are so critical. Let's be people who work towards encouraging, have encouraging words, encouraging and building others. I have this thing I was thinking of, for lack of calling it any different, because I'm, I can see things, picture it. How many knows, know what whack-a-mole is? A few of you? Whack-a-mole criticism, and it's interesting because... <laughs> I see this happen. And so there's this, this thing about when you hit something, then it pops, something else pops up, something else pops up. You're, you're just going like this, trying. And I think about, it's like, and I won't use any example. I'll just say, like, if somebody said, hey, if you, would, if you would do it this way, I would get involved. So then you do it that way, and you go and say, hey, I set this up like you wanted to. So why aren't you involved? Well, I didn't like because you picked a background to be white. Okay, so you go, you change the background, and says, hey, how about now? Well, no, I heard you were serving oatmeal cookies at that event. Okay, so, hey, I've changed. Now I'm serving chocolate chip cookies. Well, you've made it too hard for left-handed people. So this is the whack-a-mole criticism. You know what I'm saying? And some of us are pretty good at, at that. And I remember this several years ago. I did a surprise birthday for Jane. <laughs> she didn't know anything about it. She shows up, and somebody came up to Jane at her surprise birthday that she knew nothing about to be critical of the food that she was serving at her surprise birthday <laughs> to say there wasn't something that that person particularly liked. And I'm thinking, wow, that's real sensitive. <laughs> My wife's like, Steve, I'm sorry, but I didn't pick the food, but I sure got criticized for it. <laughs> That's just life for us, right? I mean, that's just like, oh, well. <laughs> but we need to kind of get out of that place of, of, instead of criticizing, we need to be encouraging, encouragers. There's a, a quote that says this, Robert Allen Silverstein. If we are bold enough to point out problems, we must be brave enough to try to solve them. I love that. I love that 
We all see problems. That's easy. But can we bring a solution? That's the hard part. We love to be critical and tell about the problems. But goodness sake, we don't want to have to help fix it. That's asking way too much. I like solutions. And I know that I make mistakes and things. And if somebody comes and says, hey, I noticed that this isn't going well. Great. That must mean you have brought a solution. That's good. I like that stuff. So here we have somebody who's critical in Nehemiah. We had Sanballat and another man named Tobiah. But here it talks about Sanballat. He was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stone from a rubbish heap? And charred ones at that? That's just being critical. That's a critical spirit coming in. And that's easy to allow come in to affect us. Because we can either accept that as like, oh, they're probably right. Yeah, can't do this. Or <laughs> that's why I love to surround myself or be around people who are encouraging. And I think that's true for all of us. Because we can find criticism everywhere. You can walk into a room full of criticism. But would you rather walk into a room with, full of encouragement or criticism? I don't think I even need to ask a show of hands for that. <laughs> so here we have in Mark 14, starting in verse 3, it says this. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for years' wages and the money given to the poor. And they probably thought that's what Jesus wanted them to say. But Jesus, he scolded them harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. Therefore, we're doing it today. Because <laughs> it will always be ongoing in that way. We have to be careful of being critical because what may be happening is something actually good. But in our eyes, we see it as not so let's be careful in that area too. You know, criticism is a tough wall to see crumble. And constant criticism will paralyze a relationship. After a while, it's just like, man, we're going nowhere. So let's get to that place now to be free to walk in encouragement. And that is the act of encouraging or the state of being encouraged. That is a state I like being in. We always feel good when we're encouraged by someone, right? There's something in us that goes, hmm, that felt good. And the importance of giving encouragement to somebody that is really born out of our need for affirmation as human beings. We need to be affirmed in those things. One destructive criticism can overwhelm 10 great comments of encouragement. It can. You could sit there and somebody could give you tons of encouragement and then throw this huge negative criticism at you and when you walk away and you get in your car and you go what are you thinking about 
You're not thinking about the encouragement more than likely. You're thinking about that one criticism. And it just stays in there. <laughs> we need to have our first thoughts about a person. Need to be thoughts of how can I encourage that person? You already know that there's stuff to be criticized. We know that. How about finding something to encourage? Something positive to say. Some encouragement. It's funny. I've kind of always been a fan over the years, good or bad, of a comedian who just strikes me funny. The young people wouldn't know who he is, but Rodney Dangerfield just doesn't get any respect. But one of the quotes he said that I love, hey, hell, that's an ugly shirt, but it looks good on you. <laughs> just a little criticism there, which he was, Rodney was full of, but he did it for fun. But those kind of things just kind of strike me funny. <laughs> in that regard. So let's get back to the Bible. <laughs> hey, what did Pastor Steve preach about? R Rodney Dangerfield. That's exactly, and Hal's ugly shirt. And, that, and that'll get posted on our Facebook page for the church, right? That's, <laughs> and now Brett gets to edit. <laughs> it's staying in? <laughs> I won't say anything about your sweater. <laughs> Isaiah 41, 6 and 7. Everyone helped his neighbor and said to his brother, be of good courage. So the craftsman encouraged the goldsmith. He who smooths with the hammer inspired him who strikes the anvil, saying it's ready for the soldering. Then he fastened it with pegs that it might not totter. So there's people working together that one encourages the other to inspire the other to encourage the other, and it, and it goes together, and it works really well. Acts 14, 21 22. After preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Bartimus returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We know we're going through hardships. We can't just sugarcoat or we can't pull that out. That's why we need to encourage, because we do go through hardships. Norman Vincent Peale, some of you have been around a while know who that is. He said this, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. Love me, and I may be forced to love you. Pretty cool. As you progress through that and transition through that. 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. Again, there's that we need to encourage because we're going through stuff. Last one, and this is a big one for believers when we don't understand who we are in Christ. This is the, this thing called powerlessness. Lacking the authority or the capacity to act on something. We just feel powerless at times. 
understanding that Christ has given us all the power we need through the Holy Spirit to help us in any situation we're in. But we must believe that we can, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. We have to believe that. We've been given that power to do that. We often forget the power that comes with and the benefit of being a follower of Christ. That's something that is downloaded into us. That the fact is there is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And we need to call on that name. When you get into a tough situation, what's the first thing you do? Some people let out expletive. Other people just simply say, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord, whatever it is. But I believe when we call on his name, there's power released there. Yeah. Isaiah 40, 29 says this. It says, he, being God, gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Yeah. Write that one down. Gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Luke 10, starting in verse 17, says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. They were pretty excited about that. Jesus like, yes. <laughs> he told him, he said, hey, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And he's like, that's a pretty good account that, you know, Jesus has given him. He goes, um, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. See, God's given us, there's two things here. He's given us, he's telling us, I've given you power to do all these things. You can do all this stuff. And that's really cool because it'll help you. But the, the greater thing that he's looking forward to is the fact that he gets to spend eternity with us and has that relationship. And he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm making things so that you can take advantage of my power here on earth. But man, you need to rejoice because we're going to be hanging out together for eternity. And that, that's a pretty good, good trade-off there. Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. We ask the Lord for things. We even think of things. But he says, I'm going to take it way higher than you can even think or ask. And I'm going to do that for you because of the power that resides in within you we got to grab a hold of that it resides within us and then second timothy 1 7 says for god has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but power love and self-discipline are a sound mind that's important for us to understand that man he didn't give us that spirit of fear somebody else did and it wasn't him it's the enemy that loves to chase us around like a roaring lion to see who he can devour so that needs to put us in this place to, that we are free to declare victory free to declare victory we're not powerless people we're powerful and in his name is the power it's the overcoming of an enemy achievement of mastery or success in a struggle or endeavor against odds or difficulties and we face these things see victory has already been given to us we just have to declare it and embrace it we have to declare we are victorious in christ we do have to exercise our voice of declaration. Now, God doesn't need to hear our voice. He knows our thoughts. But there's two other people that need to hear it. <laughs> That's you and Satan. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't know your thoughts. He's not like God. So he's not in there. But once you utter something, 
and you're declaring, he's getting a little shaky in his boots when we start declaring the word of the Lord, because he hates that. Man, when you start speaking scripture, you start speaking the power of God over the enemy, no, he doesn't like that. My wife and I have a friend. This woman is very strong. She holds several records in powerlifting, international records, for her uh, classification. It's interesting, though, because she got there by obviously exercising some muscles to build those muscles to get there. Those records that she has next month, so she's going to another competition, an international competition, but those records, they're for her to grab and for her to exceed in and, and take them to the next level. But she's put in the work, she's put in the declaration of, I'm doing this, I'm putting in the work it takes. And I believe for each one of us, we have to know we've got to put in the work which is declaring and start lifting spiritually, start lifting those weights in the sense of knowing that the resistance will be there. But the more we do it, the more we can lift, the more we can, that we can withstand the things that come. And the things that we need out there, victory, they're attainable. They're reachable because of the power that resides within us. The power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, is there. So it's important for us. Go through a couple more scriptures. First Chronicles 29, 11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. That's all we need to know. <laughs> Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Amen. Psalm 98, 1. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won, has won, it's already done, a victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. He's already demonstrated it. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And we need to be strong, enthusiastic, immovable. Know that the enemy cannot move you. Though you're going through the woundedness and the critical spirits or all the different things that are happening or powerlessness that, man, you got to declare the word of the Lord and be strong in it. The last scripture, 1 John 5, 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. This is increasing our faith as we go through this. So we're going to sing a song as we conclude this morning. And I want you to speak a little bit louder, declare a little bit more in this song. And it talks about the power that's in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And if you have something that needs to be defeated in your life, if there's some stronghold that there, there's there is there woundedness you feel criticized or whatever if you don't feel the power man this is where you call out to God and say God this is my moment this is my time amen let's stand and let's sing this song let's declare it and let the words have meaning as you sing them this morning
Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 